Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, let us stand for the reading of the gospel. May Christ be in our thinking, in our seeking, and in our hearts as we hear the Holy Gospel of Jesus Christ from St. Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot and from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, and he cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down in the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the, lo the, the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Gail. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. We are grateful for you and all your beautiful music every week. And uh, I, I know I'm blessed. Are you blessed by hearing uh, Gail play every week, whether we're here or uh, if it's videoed or, or audio taped? It's such a blessing to me. And uh, I just can't go on about it enough. As you know, I love music. I want to give Andrew props today, Drew props. Uh, Andrew took this upon himself to create us, a, I guess you could say, a platinum level uh, website. There are websites and there are websites. And when you go to Faith United Methodist dot church, is that right? Uh, you're going to see a very, very professional website, something that, you know, the big time churches have, even better than that. And so many different uh, things like the history of the church and uh, former pastors and things from your current pastor and things that we've done and are doing. So I want you just to give Andrew a great big hand for, for offering his talents to us. And I know he, he doesn't look for praise, but uh, that, having known how it is to, um, uh, to, to uh, put together some of these things or find someone that can do it. And, and please believe me, I haven't perfected my uh, 
video piece yet, but I'm going to get my tripod. I promise I'm going to get it this week so it'll be straight to me and we can see more of the church up here. But today I want to talk to you uh, about uh, Jesus and his compassion. You know, last week I talked to you about an undiscovered treasure that the Rolex watch that the uh, uh, military man took years later and left it in the box and went to the uh, uh, Antiques Roadshow. And it turned out it was worth about $700,000 and he fainted right there on the spot at the Antiques Roadshow. Well, King Duncan tells a story written in The Guardian last year, September of last year, that a French woman uh, had an old painting and she took it to auction from her house to determine the worth of it. And uh, previously the woman had the painting hanging in her kitchen over a hot plate. And so by chance, someone came in and said, you know, that painting looks awfully familiar, but maybe it's just a reproduction or whatever, but maybe you should have it evaluated to see if it's worth anything. Well, she took the uh, advice, and the, which the painting depicted Jesus being mocked before his crucifixion. The painting was titled simply, Christ Mocked. Turns out, it was painted in 1280 by an Italian painter during the forefather of the Italian Renaissance. The little old lady who cooked on a hot plate got 26.8 million dollars auctioned for that painting. It was authentic. I tell you, go up in your attics and see what you have up there and check what you have hanging around in your house. Great treasures are around us, and not just physical, you know, monetary things. There are treasures all around us, treasures here, treasures for people with talents, people who, who play, who are technologically advanced, who you know, work could do things in the yard and call people and get bulletins done and keep the church uh, lovely and sanitized and uh, on and on. And so you are all doing such a wonderful part for the kingdom of God. And to Jesus, I believe those things are worth much more. As I said, we're worth much more than many sparrows. Uh, our works, Gene, as you said, we've been given... Uh, this, this, I guess you could say, custodianship of uh, stewardship of this world, and we should give our best. There was a woman named Siobhan who tells about her friends of hers who teaches first grade in Toronto, Canada. This friend was teaching math to a class of six-year-olds including a group of newly arrived refugee children. The lesson of the day was on fractions. You know, I hate fractions, multiply and divide and fractions. I, I, that's just, I, I just never have like that. I'm not a math person anyway. I uh, know a little bit, but not a whole lot. Just enough to give me a headache. And the, the teacher explained the difference between, this was pretty simple though, a quarter and a half. The difference between a quarter and a half. And so she asked the class to write down, would they prefer to have a quarter of a chocolate bar or half of a chocolate bar? 
And to the surprise of this teacher, many of those children who were in that class, who were refugees, wrote down that they would rather have a quarter of the chocolate bar instead of a half. And so she asked and inquired, and it turns out that they all said that they'd rather take a quarter so others can have some of it. It tells me that how often we take things for granted, how often we uh, take the things that have been given to us, uh, how blessed we are. There are so many people who are not so blessed and throughout our world and throughout our country and right around us. And so today in the passage, just briefly, I want to uh, throw a few things out to you and, and, and talk about it. Jesus and his disciples had traveled to a remote place. Crowds followed him, and, and theologians say, and the scriptures say there were 5,000 plus the, uh, we always talk about the feeding of the 5,000, but it says that's beside the women and the children. Now, the women could have been other single women, moms, wives, you know, who knows how many children, big families. So anywhere from 10 to 20,000 estimated that were there. That's a pretty, that's a stadium full. <laughs> and so uh, that they wanted something from Jesus. As the day passed, the disciples got tired and, uh, and they asked Jesus to send the people away. It wasn't simply a matter of fatigue. They were concerned that the people wouldn't find enough to eat in the surrounding countryside. Remember, they had left the villages and Jesus had gotten on a boat and gone over to a place for solitude. And they came around. Can you imagine 20,000 people marching around the, the big lake there and, and just to meet up with him on the other side? But Jesus said the strangest thing. They do not need to go away. You need to give them something to eat. And I can just see them now. Say what? We've got... All we can find is five loaves and two fish. This, this kid brought this, uh, uh, some of the gospels say that the young boy had it. And you want us to feed all these folks? And we need to understand that Jesus often led his disciples into challenging situations. Situations that required courage. They, they, it required insight and radical faith. Situations that seemed too big for them. This was certainly no exception. Why would, we, why would he do that? It was because he saw something that they didn't see. He saw the world that God, through God's eyes, he saw the world in which anything was possible if you were aligned with God. Today's gospel gives us some basic ingredients of seeing things, the way that God looks at the world and the way that Jesus saw the world. When Jesus heard what had happened, the scripture said he withdrew privately for solitary time to a place that he could be alone and the crowds followed him. Now, you hear that and read that, that when Jesus had heard what had happened, does anyone know what had happened that Jesus got the news of? Well, John the Baptist had been beheaded. And he had gotten the message. Uh, and so his cousin, his forerunner, the one that baptized him, 
uh, that it was kind of distressing. When you get bad news, you and you've been ministering, especially sometimes, or can you imagine the life of Jesus? There's people always wanting something, and he was wanting to go and just be alone. Because remember, Jesus was not only God; he was also what human, and so fully God, fully human. So the human side of him was feeling that pain, that loss, that. Uh, being tired and, and just tired of dealing with situations. But seeing the world through his eyes, we see that Jesus, first and foremost, in every situation, was filled with compassion. We probably would have been angry. You know my philosophy. Uh, many times when I think about all the things that that has gone on. And, and, and Gene, you read that beautiful passage from Genesis. God gave us this world, and, and we don't know how long those days were or whatever, but God put it all together and gave us custodianship of it. And what have we done throughout all generations? You know, we've continuously turned away from God and done bad things, and we continue to do bad things to the environment, to each other, and uh, we, we reject God's love. We reject grace and I, I just often wonder why God loves us so much. Why why go through all of this? Well it's something that we just can't understand that God's love is greater than anything that we can comprehend. God's love, God's grace is, is big. And within that love, that frame of love is compassion. Compassion was Jesus' default setting. Just like those refugees, they could have had half a chocolate bar, but they took a quarter so they could share. When we understand that the world needs love, the, love, the world needs food, the world needs healing, the world needs uh, order, the world needs uh, guidance. The world needs Jesus. The world needs the gospel. But sometimes maybe God's, I think that maybe through this situation that we've gone in in the last few months, that we reflect and realize that, you know, we can't reach the world always from inside the walls because people just, just don't come to church like they used to. They, they, they get a, a false narrative about the church, and some of it's true, unfortunately. Uh, people have not always been as kind to the world uh, as they should be. Uh, the church, through history, has done things that it shouldn't have to other people. Uh, to other, you know, in the name of God, in the name of Jesus. But Jesus had compassion for us and what led him to die on the cross. It was the only way to save us from our sins and to restore us to God. You walk almost into any Christian gathering in any corner of the world and you'll see a cross. Now, this version of the cross has been, the Romans used several. They used this one, which was the, uh, the suffocation uh, torture uh, it would be a modern uh, electric chair I guess you say or, or whatever or a gas chamber a suffocation and torture beaten so you can't pull up and, and, and take a breath and you're beaten down and so before the day 
That's why they often broke their legs so they, they couldn't breathe. And then I talked to you about St. Andrew uh, the, the other week. In St. Andrew, uh, the X crucifix, uh, the cross, was often used, like an X. And a lot of people see that X, and they also it's the, the uh, uh, symbol in Greek for Chi, and it became a symbol for Christ. You know, when you see Xmas, it doesn't mean that people are marking out Jesus. It's a symbol for Christ. And so, but Andrew took that. And we look, if you go through Europe, you'll see just about every flag for every country has that X uh, uh, cross. That's a cross. We've seen that in a lot of flags. That one. The, flag, the flag of St. Andrew. They're state churches. And um, some used for good things and some not for good. But it's still the cross. And then it's the, like a stock, one pole that did the same suffocation uh, that was often used. Uh, our friends uh, in the Jehovah Witness uh, uh, group said that Jesus was crucified on one of those, and I forget the name of it, but it, it was just a straight stock and stretched you out and, and basically from the beatings and suffocation <clears throat> as well and was quite effective. But any Christian-oriented or Anything that has to do in any part of the world, you're going to see some symbol of the cross. And so, Jesus, the word has been all over the world. There's um, this wonderful idea, this wonderful knowledge, but often it has been misused. So Jesus is saying, all right, you've got a, a challenge here, fellas. I want you to go in my name and feed that crowd. I'm tired. I've, and did first, even Jesus saw the, all of them that followed, and he healed their sick. And then he told them, go feed them. After all that, and then he was upset. So we often find ourselves not like Jesus having that overwhelming compassion. We get comfortable. We maybe uh, look at things and say, well, you know, that's their problem. But the crowd that day numbered, as I said, anywhere to 10 to 20,000. And Jesus said, bring them here to me. But we hold our schedule and we say, Lord, I don't have time to volunteer in my community. And Jesus looks at our schedule and says, bring it here to me. We look at our bank account and say, Lord, I don't have any extra cash to give to the food pantry or, or any ministry of the church. But Jesus says, bring it to me. We hold our hearts and say, Lord, I don't have it in my heart to love that person, or love that group, or love what they say, or love that philosophy, or love that one that holds that philosophy. It's impossible. I just can't do it. And Jesus says, bring it to me. Bring it here to me. 
We look through Jesus and we see, Lord, my life belongs to you. As I said last week in the Wesley Covenant, my life is no longer my own. It is yours, Lord. Do with it as you will. That's a, such a hard statement, isn't it? I may not have much, but whatever I am and whatever I have, use it for your kingdom, Lord. And suddenly we see a million needs around us and we find a way to meet some of those needs. We, we can't do it all, of course, but we care enough that we will sacrifice what we have to make a difference. So we have this compassion, this sacrifice that Jesus is saying to, to make, to have compassion. And so in the feeding of all of these folks, we call it the feeding of the 5,000, but there were a lot more, as I said. There have been many interpretations of that feeding. First, we often hear folks say, well, what Jesus did, he took up those loaves and fish and blessed them, and he told people to give what they had, and they, there were some that had food and had uh, things with them, and they shared it. And they went around and they used their abilities to feed each other. That's one of the explanations for the feeding of that great big crowd. That may be true. And I think there's a great lesson in that. That we give what we have and it multiplies. And if we put what we have together and we give what we have together and do what we have with together, we can do one. And there were 12 baskets left. The multitude was fed and his fame spread even further. I believe that we as the Church of Jesus Christ, as the Methodist Church or any other denomination or any other group that wants to see the betterment of humanity, we give what we have and share it and pass it along. What's in our hand? You know, remember God asked Moses, what is that in your hand? Moses said, I'm a, I'm a stutterer. Uh, I, I, I can't do this. And Moses said, Lord, I can't do it. But God said, what is in your hand? And it was his staff. And he said, I'll be with you. And, and part of the Red Sea and, the, you know, just all kinds of things. God was present with him. When we say we can't, God says, yes, you can. When we see an impossible task, God says all you have to do is put your resources together. Let me bless them and it will be done. And then, of course, there's the uh, theological thought that maybe as it was a custom in that day that people would tear off a piece of clothing and, and put it in and represent their need for spiritual healing. Well, we heard in the Old Testament lesson today, Isaiah said, Ho! And what we're saying, listen! Hey! Hey, guys! You who are hungry, you who are thirsty, you who are searching, you can be fed and filled spiritually, who are thirsting for righteousness, and not only for physical uh, fullness, but for spiritual fulfillment. It's there. So some say that was the healing and the feeding that Jesus gave. I think maybe, maybe that some of them did that. I don't know. But I'm pretty sure that they were fed, they were fed spiritually. 
There are multitudes of folks sitting out there waiting to be fed physically and having their physical and, and, and material needs met, but greater so are those spiritual needs that are needing to be met. And Jesus says, bring them here. And then the other is that the great miracle, and I think it was a combination of it all. I've never seen or heard of anything like it in any other situation. Maybe some of the prophets that brought the ten loaves. Elisha had the ten loaves, and God blessed those, and, and, and people ate, and other situations, and multiplied it. The, the, the vessel of oil that never uh, went out, and the widow's uh, vessel. On and on, we see God blessing throughout ages, and we're not really sure of how all those things happen. But God took what was there and used it. And you say, Sid, I, I don't uh, have any special talents. I don't have millions of dollars. I hadn't found my painting with $26.8 million or my 700,000 watch, dollar watch that I didn't know I had. I, I, I don't have all that. But what do you have? What do I have? We have what God has given us, what we've worked for. And what we have is to say, here I am, Lord. Do with me as you will. You know, that's the hardest thing for a human to say. Here I am, Lord, and really mean it. We say things like that a lot. We sing those songs, and, and, and then we ask the question, do we really mean it? It doesn't take long for us uh, to change. And there's been so many lives throughout history that have made a tremendous difference and it looks like it was happenstance, but they may have just offered themselves and so say, well, they were in the right place at the right time or what have you. I'm sure that all of you have heard of Booker T. Washington, the founder of the Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. Former slave in 1872, at 16 years old, Booker T. Washington went to Hampton Institute in Virginia. He walked 500 miles. He got there, was dirty, didn't have any, any clothes that were, you know, to change into. But he saw an opportunity a number of years after emancipation. But he needed, an, he saw education as an opportunity. And he got there and he was afraid he wouldn't make a very good impression, and he didn't. And the lady told him, well, you go clean the certain rooms. I'll come and check and see what, what you did. He spent three or four times going over those rooms, I say. And when they came and she checked it out, she said, you know, you got something. A lot of folks these days don't read the works of Booker T. Washington, and I really wish they would. Because you would find that he had some great insights. And look at the folks that come out of Tuskegee, the Tuskegee Airmen, the, the, so many things. He had a whole different perspective 
of what? And how to go. The many do. But what he said is, here I am, and I'm willing to do, I'll walk 500 miles. And he got an education, then he went back and started that school for former slaves and uh, children of slaves, and it's still a very strong institution today. Great alumni. And we could go on with stories of people who didn't seem to have anything, but it made great impact on generations and generations to come. So what is Jesus saying to you today? The multitude, big multitudes out there, and I just don't know if we can, if we can do it. We're so divided, I don't know if we can ever overcome it. The church is so divided, I don't know if we can ever be healed. The country's so divided, I don't know if they could ever be healed. The world has gone crazy. I don't know if, if it can ever. But there is a message that brings hope. And that message is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and He came into His own, and His own received it not. But as many as received Him, gave Him the power to become the children of God. And He gave a great commission before He went away. He said, go to all the world, teaching all the things that I told you to observe, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and to make disciples students, followers, and you will change the whole world. Look at the day of Pentecost. There were people from all over the world there who come there for a, a celebration. But they heard the gospel in their own language and they went back through all the world. In this season of Pentecost, I'm, I'm suggesting to you, we need a new Pentecost. We need a new day that people would say, what is really important? Yeah, we're all sinners. We're all flawed, all leaders, everybody. We're flawed, we're human beings. But God takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things when they put their minds to do it. Did you hear what I said? That God takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things when they put their mind to do it and put their mind in their hearts and their lives in the hands of God. We say the task is too big. So what if those first 12 disciples said that after Jesus was crucified, after everything fell apart? But God had a way. Jesus showed up and changed them and empowered them in a way. They tarried and prayed. And Jesus says, bring what you got here. Bring it here. Bring what you have. Bring it to me and I'll bless it. Are you able? Are you willing? Do you see this message of, of what God has done and what Jesus did there when he fed that multitude? The impossible? May God show us and speak to us 
that we can do the impossible. We can learn to love and accept each other because beyond our philosophical beliefs and our political beliefs and even our religious beliefs or our economic status or our race or our gender or all of those things, we still are human beings that God loves and has given God's grace to us to share to the whole world. And if God is not greater than any of those things that come between us, then I think, I would suggest we're wasting our time. I think God is greater. Do you think so? And so we have to put this thing, this brain to work and our hearts to work and, and sometimes change a little bit, adjust. Because I can tell you from the time I grew up and the church I grew up in and the things that I believed 30 years ago to be very important, a lot of that is still very important. But a lot of that has changed. I could tell you some things that I, <laughs> I won't do it because I was very wrong. And I may find out that I'm wrong now at some point, but it, I really feel that God has allowed me to grow and to be able to hear his voice and to be more flexible. It's tough when you're raised in a one way, this is it, or the highway kind of uh, mentality. God's bigger than denominations. God's bigger than uh, creeds and, and doctrines and uh, countries. And, all of that. This is my father's world. This is our father's world. We are God's beautiful creation. And we need to find what God wants us to do individually and collectively to make it a better world. Amen. Amen. Will you join with me as we stand and, and confess this ancient uh, profession of our Christian faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried, the third day rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, for this shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it is in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen and amen. Thanks be to God for all that he has done. Are you able said the master.